thankful for the years that the Lord has given us here. And we, uh, we pray that we leave something behind that's valuable. And that the church is um, closer to the Lord than when we started here. We, we do. We do desire that, that families are closer together, that uh, uh, just, uh, just Christ is exalted from what has happened and, and that there's great hope for the future. I don't know what I'm going to do with this box. <laughs> might need it again, but uh, we, do, we do want you to know that we love you very much. Every, every one of you that's here, even the visitors, we love. We love the body of Christ. We love the Lord's people. And um, we, uh, we're servants of the Lord, and I think that's something that my family has had to grow to, to um, learn. And as a servant of the Lord, you, you, you are always, you are always uh, movable. You are always movable. And when the Lord speaks to, that he's got something else for you to do, you do it. And it's not always pleasant. It's not always... Uh, Joyful, it doesn't, I, I think of the Apostle Paul, if you read his writings, he, he, felt, what I, he felt what I feel this morning on, on a number of occasions, because um, he loved the church, he loved God's people as well, and, uh, and it's painful, it's difficult, it's hard, but it's, it's, it, it's, what we, it's, what we, it's what we signed up for, I suppose, when we decided to go into ministry and and do the Lord's work. We signed up for um, being pliable and movable. And uh, we just want to do what the Lord wants us to do. And, and so I just wanted to say those, those thoughts to you. You're, Darren, appreciate your words this morning. But everybody has, everybody has been kind to us. And, and uh, we love the church here. We pray, our prayer is that we will we'll be able to come back for visits and even if the Lord wills, be able to preach again here um, for a special service or something. But, but uh, you know, the, the body of Christ is big. It's big. And you, when you go through these types of things, you, you learn that. And the body of Christ is big. And we're, you know, we're still connected to our church in Nebraska. We came out here about six years ago. We're still connected to them in a very intimate way. We still love them. Um, that's the body of Christ, and we came out to California, and we fell in love with another group of people, and was able to minister to you for about six years, and and by God's grace, we're going to stay connected, because the body of Christ is like that, and then we're going to go to Texas in a few weeks here, or in this week, and we're going to fall in love with another group of people that are part of the body of Christ, and that's how the body of Christ is. It's big. And uh, if you've ever did, done any traveling, you know that that's, you connect with people in the body of Christ wherever you go. And um, we'll never stop loving you guys. We'll never stop loving you guys. And we haven't stopped loving the people in Nebraska. And we won't stop loving you and whatever God does with us in Texas. We just don't know. I, I was thinking, sitting there thinking this morning, because uh, I can think, I can remember back six years when I got here, and I can just sit in there thinking, I was like, I, I really never thought this day would come. Never really did, never. 
thought it was going to happen, never anticipated it, just just serving the Lord day to day, doing the things that he calls us to do, and and, uh, never really expected this to happen. But at at the same time, I think that uh, your faith is to... um, Faith is to walk into tomorrow knowing that the Lord has something planned for it and to serve him in that moment, in that day, and then the next day. And, and I think for, for the church here, I think you just have to have faith in this moment that God has something planned for tomorrow, for this church. And as I was sharing with some, some, some folks that have recently come and talked to me from the church here just to kind of encourage and, and share with me their feelings and and when Pastor Scott left uh, about eight years ago or so, they thought, you know, we'll never get another pastor like Pastor Scott or we'll never get a pastor that we connect with like Pastor Scott. And they had a really intimate friendship with him. And, and then they said, and then God brought you in. And, and we had a similar connection. And, uh, and, they, and their comment was, we just have to believe that God's going to do something good. And I think that that's true. You just have to believe that God's going to do something good. Does God ever do anything bad? Does he? He doesn't, does he? And so you just have to believe that he's going to do, he's going to do something good and, and uh, bless this church. This is a good church. It's a solid church. Um, I would encourage you. I'm going to share a few things from Scripture, but uh, I would encourage you to stay faithful. Um, uh, this is the best church in this area. I have no, I have no doubts about that at all. This is the best church in San Benito, San Benito County, and um, there's nowhere better to go. But what I would encourage you with is don't sacrifice truth for security. Faith, faith means sometimes you're going to be entering into insecure moments, moments where change can happen. And the challenge is, is, well, let's just go to a church where the pastor's been there for a long time and we know that that's not, it's not going to happen here. Um, we'll just sacrifice some, some other things and we'll, we'll, we'll have that security. My encouragement to you is don't sacrifice um, what you have for security. Okay? Stay the course and, and uh, God's got things planned. It's going to take faith. It's going to take faith to do it. But uh, that's, that's what we're called to, right? <laughs> to lives of faith. And we wake up in, honestly, we wake up in the morning and, and we think we have control of our days, don't we? <laughs> we do. It's like, oh, I got this figured out. Today is, today is in hand. And as the day goes on, we realize that we have very little control over things, right? And uh, this is a situation that's the same. So we learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And we just live that way. And that's what we're called to. We're called to exemplify that to the community, to the community around us. And um, I'll tell you a, a, short, a story. Of when we left Nebraska six years ago, it was difficult for us. We, we, we struggled with it, and it was a challenge. God was moving us, and we had been there 12 years. And uh, so it was, we had um, probably even some more challenges uh, longevity with some of the people there and, and and it was really challenging and the Lord was working in us to move out to California and and some people were hurt by it and 
we got this letter, it was an email or a letter, one of the ladies in our church back in Nebraska, she, she was a lady that always struggled to, to, to live by faith. She just was one of those worrying people and one of those people that always you know, tried to be in control but, but, but wasn't ever in control. And she wrote us an email and she said, you know, your, your faith and your willingness to move to California was huge in my life. And for her, it was the faith to step out and do something that for a lot of people, it's uncomfortable to do. And uh, when you see people acting in faith, whether it be Hebrews 11 or other things, it can be an encouragement. And this church can be an example of what it looks like to, to act in faith in what seems to be a difficult moment, right? But those are the moments that the church can stand out. Those are the moments that the church can, can show the world around us that, yeah, we all go through difficulties, but we don't go through difficulties the same. We go through them differently. And we believe that God is good and God is, is going to do something spectacular here. Our, our opinion, my, my opinion, and my wife and I, we have talked about this. We, we believe in our heart, we believe honestly, and I'm not just saying this to be encouraging, I'm, I'm saying this because we've actually wrestled through this. We believe that the future of Grace Bible Church is brighter than the present. We do. And I'm not talking about this day, because obviously any day is maybe brighter than this day, but I'm talking about what you guys experienced and the, the joy that you have now because of what you have seen God do in the last few years, and, and that has been a blessing to you, and we're thankful to God for that. I don't think that the Lord is done. I don't think the Lord is done. I just think that he's used me to the point where he has wanted to use me to, and he's got someone else that's going to use and it's going to be better. It's going to be better. You got to believe that, though. You got to believe that. If you want to uh, join me in, in your Bibles, all the way back in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy, I, I don't plan on being long this morning. I know we have the children in here, and that can create for, for uh, craziness, right, parents? And so I get, I get that. I'll try, try not to be very long. We have a nice lunch planned for after this, uh, tri-tip lunch. And everyone is invited to stay for that. They're going to, the, uh, the elders have some um, things planned for that time as well. But it's, it's all been catered in. So there's no expense to you, no cost to you. We just want you to come and fellowship. And um, I think some of you might have participated in bringing some desserts, which we thank the Lord for. Amen. I will say this to you as well. This church has great leadership, and I, I'm just thankful for Golive and for Darren and for Michael and, and God putting that team together for this moment. That team was put together for this moment, and I, I believe that with all my heart. And they are, they, they are men after God's heart, and they are men that have a very similar heart to me, and they are very men that have a very similar heart to each other, and I think that they're going to lead this church forward well. I really do. And my encouragement to you is to get behind them. And so, they're not perfect, right, Golov? They're not perfect, but close, <laughs> close. They're going to make mistakes, but they're going to lead by faith the best that they know how. And, uh, and when they make mistakes, encourage them, support them. Remember that you make mistakes too, okay? And uh, stand behind them, and they'll figure it out. They're not, they're not, they're not stupid, Right? They'll make mistakes and they'll figure those mistakes out, right? That's the way it goes. 
That's the way it goes. God has called them into this role. I believe each one of those men, God has called them, put, placed them there sovereignly. They are God's chosen men for this moment. And the best thing that you can do is support them and help them. Be there for them in this moment and, and stand behind them. And uh, they'll do well in their, in their leading you. I just wanted to, I was thinking about this week what to talk about, and I, um, this week has been really busy for, for us trying to get things ready and meeting with lots of people just to encourage and, and help, and um, you know, I've always just thought about my, in my life, I've always, I thought about Moses when he transitions to the leadership of Israel to Joshua, and um, it's kind of been something that's always been on my heart as I go through a, a transition time and whatever transition. I always kind of look at that uh, story, if you will, that narrative in the Old Testament about Moses um, relinquishing leadership of the Jewish people to Joshua and, and just how that goes and what are some of the encouragements that come out of that and, 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 and how, you know, what's the end result is God's people in the promised land, Right. But it takes a transition. There's a transition that has to take place there. And, um, and Moses gives the children of Israel some, some admonitions. He gives them some encouragement as he is getting ready to step aside. And um, I'm not planning on going to heaven like he does. But, um, but, it, but he steps aside and he, he, uh, Joshua is the man that God has chosen to bring them into the, into the next phase of their journey. And um, he gives the people some instruction, and I just want to share it with you. I just want to read some text and, and make a few comments to, to help you, um, to admonish you as you go through this next few months of the process of having an interim pastor or having a few different guys fill the pulpit, um, the process of looking for a new pastor to come in and minister, then the process of getting behind the new pastor once he gets here those types of things, they're just some admonitions to uh, hopefully help you along, help, help the church as we go. So let me, give you, let me give you some thoughts here. Deuteronomy 30 is where we'll read from. So the first thing that Moses does is he gives, the, he gives the children of Israel a command. And the command that he gives them is found in um, verse 11 down to the end of the chapter. And it's basically he gives them a command to, to believe. And that would be the first thought this morning is Moses gives them a command to believe. And let's just read it together. He says, and this commandment that I command you today, it is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who shall ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I see, or behold, I have set before you today life and death, life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandment of the Lord your God that I command you today by living, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that he has, has that you are entering to take possession of. 
But if your heart turns away, then you will not hear, but are drawn aside to, are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall utterly perish. You shall not live long in this land and you are, that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For, is, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So the first thing that the Lord tells the, the or that Moses tells the, the, the children of Israel is that they need to be obedient to this command. He gives them a command to, to be obedient, to love God, to uh, follow God, and to, and to obey his commandments. That's the, the command that he gives them. And the command is, is, is ultimately the command, it, it's, it's a command to believe. And if you take your Bibles and just shoot over with me to the book of Romans, Romans actually um, quotes from this passage of Scripture and explains it in Romans chapter number 10. The Bible says in verse number 5, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that a person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Follow this. This is, this is righteousness that's based upon believing God. It's not based upon following a set of rules or obeying a set of commandments. It's based upon, uh, it's, this is a, a commandment that is based upon faith or a righteousness that is based upon faith. He says, they, uh, the, the righteousness that is based upon faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of, what's the next word there? The word of faith that we proclaim. So we go back to the text in Deuteronomy. What, what Moses is calling the people to do is he's calling the people to believe. He's calling the people to faith. He's calling the people to have uh, a trust in God as they are getting ready to enter into the promised land, which is going to initially come with some, some difficulty. But ultimately, the Lord is calling them to trust God, to believe in God in this challenging moment, in this season. Remember, they've followed Moses for 40 plus years now. And Moses has been their, their primary guide through the wilderness wanderings and, and even before that, uh, uh, assisting God in, in a sense in their deliverance from Egypt, right? The, the, he was the, the tool. God, God used Moses as a tool or a vessel to deliver them from Egypt. He uses him to lead them through the wilderness for 40 years. And so a lot has happened with, with Moses in the, life, in the life of the people and as he, as he is getting ready to, to leave their uh, leadership, he says to them, you need to believe God. You need to believe God. It's important that you trust God in this moment. And he says to them a few things that are important, I think, to our situation. He says, number one is it's not too difficult. He says it's not too difficult. He, he speaks, first of all, to ability. 
It's not too difficult for us to believe God. In this this context, the children of Israel had had a number of reasons to believe God. And um, whether it be going back to the water coming out of the rock or the feeding of the manna and the meat and the splitting of the Red Sea, it's, I mean, all of these things were, were present with them in the last 40 years. They had experienced God's blessing. They had experienced God's guidance. They had experienced God's care. And so he says to them, for you to believe God is not too difficult. It's not too difficult. And I think in this moment, or as in any moment in the Christian life, if you're a follower of Christ, someone who is indwelt by the Spirit, when he calls you to believe him, when he calls you to trust him, when he calls you to follow him, it's not too difficult to do, right? It's not too difficult. Whatever he's calling you to do, it's not too difficult to trust him because his Spirit lives within you, which makes it, which makes it possible, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 tells us that Lord will, the Lord never allows us to be tempted above that we are, we are able. In other words, there's nothing that we're going to face, there's nothing that you're going to face in the, in the future that, that, that God has not enabled you by his spirit to, to um, trust him in, to have faith in him in those difficulties. So he says, the command is to believe God. He says it's not too difficult to do. He tells them that it's not too difficult to do. Even though you're going to face Jericho, trust God, march around it seven times, blow trumpets and break lanterns, right? And the walls are going to fall down. Is that pretty difficult? Right? It's not too difficult, the Lord says to them. It's not, what you're going to face is not too difficult. All you're being asked to do is one thing. Were they being asked to knock down the walls of Jericho? Were they being asked to defeat Ai? Were they being asked to overcome all of the enemies of, the, of, of, of Canaan so that they could possess it? What were they being asked to do? Believe God. They're just being asked to believe God. It's not too difficult to do. In your marriage, it's not too difficult that God asks you to believe God. In your finances, in your work, it's not too difficult to believe God, is it? It's not too difficult. It's difficult. It's not too difficult. It means it's going to be easy, but it isn't too, he says to them, I want you to know this, it's not too difficult for you. And then he uses another analogy, he says it's not too far away, it's not un- unreachable, it's not too distant. It's like he, he talks about going down into hell and bringing Jesus up or going up into heaven and bringing him down. Or in this text, he talks about going across the sea to, to make this happen. It's not far away. It's not too far away for you to do. It's not too difficult, and it's not too far away for us to trust God. The the devil will tell you that it's too difficult, and the devil will tell you that it's too far away, and the devil will tell you that you're a, a great distance from it, but the Lord makes it clear in his word that it's not too difficult, and it's not too far away. He defines this idea. It's important to note that he defines what it looks like to believe God, He says three things about believing God. He says, love him with all your heart, right? The first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says to follow him and then to obey his commandments. It is important to note that loving God, following God, and keeping his commandments are all directly connected to believing him. But what comes first? 
Do we obey God, keep his commandments, and love him before we believe him? Is our effort to be that we believe him, we trust him, we depend upon him, we know he is good, we know he is gracious, we know all of these things that relate to believing are directly followed by loving, obeying, and following. So it's not that you love, obey, and follow so that you will believe. It's that you believe, and therefore you will love, obey, and follow. It starts with believing God. It is followed by or evidenced by submitting to him. So the command is this morning, the command is to believe. It's not too difficult. It's not too far away. The promise is, the Lord gives us down in the latter parts of the text in verse 16, the promise is, is that God will bless. God will bless those who believe him. God will bless those who are trusting in him. In this context, he talks about being a long life, uh, not just a long life physically, but long life in, in, in the land. And Canaan is the, is the land that's referring to. Canaan is just a picture of the victorious Christian life. It's a, it's a place where there are struggles and there are battles and there are challenges. But Canaan is a place where God's power and presence are, are, are noticeable. And he tells the children of Israel, as long as you believe me, you will be long in this land. But once you start to doubt me, you will be dispersed, is that, which is exactly what happened to them. So there, there is a call to believe God, and then there is a, a promise from God that he will bring blessing on those, who, on those who believe him. He'll bring a blessing on families. He'll bring a blessing on churches. He'll bring a blessing on the children of Israel. This, this promise is, is a consistent promise that God has given to his people. If you will believe me, and remember, it's not just about obeying God, because there's a lot of... There's a lot of uh, even the Jewish people held to a regulatory system that, that they failed to keep on a regular basis. It's not, about, it's not about being perfectly obedient to God. It's about believing God. Because you'll never reach the status of being perfectly obedient to God. And you'll roam through life hoping that you can do something trying to be perfect and you'll, you'll never attain to. It's about believing God. So he, 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 he promises them, them um, blessing for those who believe him. And then obviously the counterpart of that is, is cursing to those who refuse to believe him. And I don't even want to deal with that because I, I don't want to think that, that, that the church would not believe God. But this is something that you, we, we all need to connect with. God has placed blessings. It's almost like attaching something to something else, Right? God has attached blessing with faith. He has attached it there. It is attached. So if you believe, you are going to receive blessing because they're connected. If you doubt and you don't believe and don't trust, then connected to that is what? Is cursing. It's connected to it. It's, 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 a, it's a partner of it. You don't get one without the other. And people are, are experiencing that in their marriages today. They're experiencing that in their, in their children, in their finances. They have refused to trust God and believe God. And then they wonder why things are falling apart. God has called us to faith. He's called us to believe. That means that there are things in the Bible that God uh, commands for women. 
in regards to their to their role in the home and it's not popular it's not it's not popular in the in the world that we live in but listen listen to me if you believe god you do it and and god has called men to things in regards to loving their wives and leading their families that they're not popular though you can't watch tv and see too many too many men being promoted as as godly godly fathers and godly husbands but you do it. Why do you do it? Because you believe God. What's connected to it? What's connected to believing God? Blessing. What's connected to not believing God? It, it, it's, it's not difficult. It's not, dif- it's not too difficult. It's not too far from you. It's right there. He says it's right there in your mouth. You know the truth. You know the truth. And it doesn't go back to obedience. It goes back to what? It goes back to believing. Do you believe God? Do you ladies believe God that if you will be a biblical woman, that it is connected to blessing? Do you believe men that if you will be a biblical husband and a biblical father, that it is connected to blessing? Do we believe that? It's believing the word. Believing God in what he says. So we believe God and connected to believing God is a promise of blessing. It's not, it's not connected to obedience to God. It's connected to believing God. Blessing is connected to faith. Obedience is connected to faith. But faith is where we are to be focused. Believing God. Let's go on to the third thought. The, the, the text goes on and says this. So Moses continued to speak these words to all of Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old. This is the part that doesn't apply to us because I'm not 120 years old. I might look, look it or feel like it some days, but I'm, I'm not 120 years old. He says, I am 20, 120 years old, and I'm no, I'm no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. And you guys remember the story. A few occasions, Moses did some things that were not appropriate in the eyes of God, and God, uh, one of his punishments, so he didn't believe God on a few occasions, and, and connected to his lack of faith in God was a, the fact that he wasn't going to enter into the promised land. It was his, it was his um, judgment, in a sense. He got to see it, but didn't get to go into it. But watch this. Moses says this to them. I cannot go over with you. Okay? Just stop for a moment, meditate on that. I cannot go over with you. That's what Moses says. Not after five and a half years of ministry, but after 40 plus years of ministry. But listen to me, that doesn't matter. What does he say next? What does he say next? Because what he says next is what matters. The Lord, your God, himself, will go over before you. That's what matters. The Lord is going to go with you. Children of Israel, the Lord is going to enter into the promised land with you. The Lord is going to go forward with you. Church, the Lord is going to go forward with you. 
The Lord is with you now, and the Lord is going to go before you. He's already gone before you into next week and next month. The Lord already knows who the next... The Lord doesn't already know who the next pastor is of this church. He's already chosen the next pastor of this church. He's already chosen the guy that's going to preach next Sunday, and the guy that's going to preach the Sunday after that, and the guy that's going to preach the Sunday after that. He's already chosen all of those things. He's already gone before you into this moment. He's been here before He's not surprised by it. He says in uh, Hebrews that he's been, he's been tested in all the ways that we have test, been tested, and yet he never failed. He never sinned. He says to us in Hebrews 2, it is, that he suffered in so many ways so that he could be a great high priest to us. He could, he could actually understand us. He's been through what we've been through. He's gone before us. He's, he's paved the way like a snowplow does. Somebody was sharing with me this week that they were traveling somewhere in their life and we were talking about snowy places. I don't know why, but we were, we were talking about snowy places with somebody and they said one time they got into a, a really big snowstorm and they just simply got behind the snowplow and they just started following the snowplow. I mean, that's what it's all about. Jesus has already paved the way. He's already gone before us. He's already set forth some things in motion for the future that, that we, we're, the Christian life is all about discovering what God has already set in place, right? So the next month are going to be discovery for the church, discovering what God has already set in place. He says, the Lord is going to go before you. The Lord God, the Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations. He will destroy the nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over as your head. So there's three things. The Lord, number one, is winning the battles for us. He goes before us. He fights for us. And he defeats our enemies. The Lord is the one that's doing these things. We're not doing them. Whatever obstacles are in front of us, whatever obstacles are in front of this church, it's not you who are going to overcome those obstacles. It's Christ that's going to overcome those obstacles. And your job is to trust that and believe that. You are going to have obstacles coming in the future, right? Would it be naive to think that we're not going to face some difficulties? But we, we serve the one who is bigger than those difficulties. And we trust that he is going, going to go before us and deal with those difficulties. We trust that, right? The Lord is winning the battles. The Lord is with us in the battles. He is with us. He is um, walking with us. He, he goes on to describe that further in the text, and we'll read it here in a moment. Um, and he, let me, let me read further here. Um, he says, the Lord has spoken. The Lord will do them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land and he, when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandments that I have commanded you. And he says, be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid or dread them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you, which is directly quoted in Hebrews chapter number 13, 5. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. So he is with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. But notice this. He calls the people of Israel to be what? 
He calls them to be strong and very courageous. He calls the children of Israel to prepare themselves for the, for the challenges that are going to be ahead. I, I, I like this part because what he does is, and I think this is important for us to remember, before he ever brings Joshua, a matter of fact, the, the next section is he brings Joshua on the scene, and then God says to Joshua the same thing that he's already said to the children of Israel, which is what? Be strong and very courageous. Now, I want you to notice something. The Lord gives the instruction to the people before he gives the instruction to the leader. The Lord says to the people, be strong and very courageous. Now, I'm going to send a leader with you. I'm going to send Joshua. He's going to help lead you. But the, the leader is not meant to take away the responsibility from the congregation. The leader is not meant to be strong and courageous for the congregation. The congregation is called to be strong and courageous. And each one of us that are here this morning are being called in this moment to be strong and courageous because we know that the Lord is going to be with us. We're called to be ministers for the Lord. You're called to be ministering for the Lord. You're called to be a part of this body. And, and, and yes, he doesn't end there. The Lord establishes leadership to lead him. He says, Joshua is going to go and be your leader. Verse 7, then Moses summons Joshua and says to him in the sight of all of Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people. He doesn't say you shall go for this people. You're going to go with this people. The pastor that comes in here is a part of this body. He's going to be there to help. He's going to be there to guide. But the pastor is not the body. The church, the church, the pastor is not the church. The pastor is a part of the church. The pastor is one who comes in and helps lead, and the elders are the same thing. But the, the call is for the body to be strong and very courageous. All of us, each one is accountable before God and will and needs to be strong in these moments. He says, be strong and courageous for you shall go with this people into the land that God has sworn to your fathers, to their fathers to give them and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So we want to remember this when we, whatever we face, whatever this church face, we want to remember these three things. Number one is the Lord is winning the battles for them. The Lord is with them in the battles, and they are also a part of it, trusting the Lord to win, but they still marched around the wall seven times and believed him, and the Lord establishes leadership and is going to establish leadership in the future to help lead the church through these moments. But the leadership is not meant to replace you, okay? You have a role, you have a responsibility in the body of Christ. The leadership is not meant to replace you, it's meant to come and, and give you guidance and, and direction and help. These churches, and say this to you, these churches where these leaders, I mean, we, we've seen it in the last few years, these leaders are up there and they're leading and they've got thousands and thousands of people in those churches and the leader falls and then everybody decides that they're no longer going to go to church anymore. There's a problem with that because that leader was an idol to those people. Because they shouldn't have fallen away just because the leader fell. But they did. 
this is not about me and it's not about the new pastor that's going to come in here and lead this church. This is about the Lord. And you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. Amen? You have a role and a responsibility. And, and, uh, and, and when the next pastor comes in, you're, you're going to encourage him and welcome him as a part of the body of Christ. But, but welcome him as a part of the body of Christ, not as the body of Christ. That's a burden, listen to me, that's a burden that no man can carry. It's too heavy. And it was never meant for one person to carry. That is why the body of Christ has multiple people. So, and, and, and this doesn't just apply to church, but it applies to all, all really all areas of, of life and ministry. Then he admonishes them, we talked about this a little bit already, to be strong and very courageous and then the idea of strength here is not, it's not, a, um, it's not a sense of strong with muscle, but it's a sense of strong with holding on to something. It, 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 it's a strength that is connected to believing something so strongly that you seize it, right? Okay, you have faith in something so strongly that you're holding on to it. You're, you're grasping it and you will not let go of it. That's the idea of being strong. When, when, he tells, when he tells Joshua and the children of Israel to be strong, what he's saying to them is don't go lift weights. He's saying to them, cling closely to Christ. Cling closely to Christ. And that's, that's the admonition that we have as a church as, we, as you go through what you're going to go through, the church goes through what they're going to go through in the next month's that you cling closely to Christ. He truly is the only one that is sufficient for these things. And he goes on to describe it further. He says, um, not only cling closely to, to Christ or to be strong and courageous, but he says, but also do not fear or be in dread. And these two words simply mean fear is an obvious word. of Don't be afraid of them. And dread is don't be in awe of them. The Lord tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Psalm 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear for what can man do to me. Hebrews 13.6, where the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In verse 5, verse 6 says it this way, so we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I will not be afraid. For what can man do to me? Romans 8, 31, the Bible says, what, shall, what then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And listen to me, church, God is for you. God is for you. You gotta believe that. God is for your marriage. God is for your church. God is for you. He wants you to believe, embrace, and live in light of that. The Lord gives us the victory. The Lord calls us to be strong and courageous and not be afraid in these moments, which really in, in many ways misrepresent the Lord, and he doesn't want us to misrepresent him. Let's finish it up here. Um, 
He says in the verse number nine, then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord and all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years, at the set time, the year of release, at the feast of booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in his hearing. The last thing that he does is he gives them the word. As As he transitions out, Moses is transitioning out. He's told them what they're supposed to do. He's told them that Joshua is going to lead them, but he gives them something that is absolutely truth. He gives them something that will be better than even Joshua's leadership. And what is that? He gives them the word. He gives them the word of God. And he says, here, this is what your strength will be. Read it. Learn it. Grow in it. Obey it. The word of God will be your strength. The word of God will, be your, will bring you faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In the season that you're in where fear and worry are likely going to be knocking on your door. You must learn to be a people of faith, and the only place that you're going to get that faith is from God's word. I will tell you this, personal example, personal illustration of my own, that there are seasons of my life where I don't really feel like reading the word of God, and those are seasons of my life that I need to read the word of God. And I'll also tell you this, that as I stay faithful to reading it, it's not long before I want to read it again. It is a rich book. But you put it aside, and, uh, and it'll be a struggle for you. So during this time, you need to stay close to God's word. Be a people of faith. Trust his promises. Believe him that he has good prepared and planned for this church. Trust him in that and live that out. And again, it's not just the church, but in your marriage, with your children, you've got to believe some of God's promises enough to then live in light of those promises. And he will bless it. How do we live? How do we respond in these moments? We respond by trusting God's power. We, tr- we respond by trusting God's sovereignty. We respond by trusting God's goodness. We respond by believing God's promises to bless, by trusting that he has already given us the victory in Christ, and by being strong in the Lord and leaning on his word. I believe if you will embrace these things as you press into what the Lord has for the future of Grace Bible Church of Hollister, that the future will be very bright. I believe that, and I pray that you believe that as well. I believe if you don't, if you doubt these things or struggle with these things, that you'll struggle to remain, to remain faithful, that this will be an opportunity that the devil will use to push you away from not just this church, but likely from any church. I've seen that happen before. The devil always looks for opportunities to press in on situations where fear and worry are likely. But when fear and worry are likely, guess what also is possible? One preacher said it this way, if a situation doesn't press you to have fear or worry, it will also not press you to have faith. 
no situation that's not big enough to cause you fear and worry will also not be big enough to cause you real faith. It's the moments where you're afraid and you're worried that you are able to come to the one who is bigger than your situations. And what does the Lord say in Philippians 4? To be anxious about nothing, but in everything by and supplications, let your requests be made. Oh, wait, with thanksgiving, right? How do we, how do we miss that? We do. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, right? What's the next verse? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Believe that? Believe it. It, it, it will carry you and it will carry this church into the future. And you'll look back on this season. I'm thankful for what God has done with us here. I'm thankful for the ministry that he's given us here. But I think you'll look back and you'll say, thank God that there was a transition. And it's not going to be about not liking me or it's going to be about what God does in the future. Believe that. Embrace it and live it. Okay? Well, that was my last sermon here until I get invited back for a visit. Amen? <laughs> and I hope that that happens. Um, just reiterate what I said at the beginning. We love you all. We will be praying for you. We will stay connected. And, um, um, you know, with the technology the way that it is, you're, you can be connected anywhere, right? And, uh, but God has good things planned for this church, and, and we're excited to follow it and see what God does for the future. Let, let me pray with you. Lord, um, it is an honor to preach to your people. And uh, I pray that you be with them, that this season will be, while it might be challenging and might come with some fear, that, Lord, it would, that fear would be met with faith, that there would be just a, a confidence in your goodness, a confidence in your grace and mercy, a confidence in your strength and sovereignty to, to drive the people that are here forward, and uh, that this church will see brighter days in the future, that it will be full, that this season while challenging and difficult, will be met and will be full of faith for your people. God, please bring in a pastor that will lead them well. Help them not to, to um, see him as, a, as the church, but help the church to embrace him as a part of their ministry and their service to you. Help the church to embrace their role to be strong and very courageous in the face of difficulty. We pray you bless this church, you be with it, and that it would glorify you for many years in the future. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Is that, Michael, do I need to say anything? Oh, we, Golov's going to say something. Turning it over to Pastor Golov. Thank you, Pastor John. You have been a, a very big blessing to us here at Grace, and um, we're going to be transitioning now into the commissioning part of the uh, service, but I first wanted to say a couple things to Pastor John and his family. Just throughout the years that you've been here, I know that I've spiritually grown, like Darren was saying, under your leadership, and um, just the way that you 
you bring God's word and, and, and the way you deliver it to us. You've never shied away from, from any harder topics, and you just lay it out as it will, and, and you do a great job of um, challenging us as well, too, um, to not only be um, hearers of the word, but also uh, doers of the word. Um, and I would say that my, my, my biggest thing that I can reflect on that, that you've had an impact on, on me is, is just seeing, seeing how the, the fruits of, you, of your family and how you've raised your children. And I, and and that's something that any, any anyone any any parent with 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 young children or, or even without or or older children it can look up to that and, and just see, just, just the, the the great example that you that you guys ha- have exemplified in, in your daughters here and, and with Jared as well too and 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 just the faithfulness that you that you guys have had. Um, and I know behind every faithful preacher, there's a there's a faithful wife too, man. And I know that the, the that you guys as a team has has brought up your uh, your, your your children in in the uh, honoring the Lord and in the fear of the Lord. And I got to uh, really get to know your children when I did the. Uh, the youth group for a couple of years, and uh, that was a that was a big blessing for me. Um, and just to be able to to be around them and to see the influence that you guys uh, had had on them, and just uh, how, how beautiful that picture of of the family of the family unit is that that God uh, that God has designed. Um, and it's been great to be able to hear them sing week in and week out. And Olivia, I'm still, uh, I'll be first in line to get your album for uh, Gospel's Greatest Hits. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, so, so at this time, I, um, we're going to be opening up uh, the scripture and reading um, Acts 13. Uh, just a few uh, first few verses here, and we're and we're going to see the church uh, commissioning off Barnabas and and uh, and Saul or Paul. So if you would uh, follow along with me, uh, Acts thirteen. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers: Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene. Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And, and the scripture goes on to just say, uh, starts to explain their missionary journey there. Um, so at this time, I'd like to call up the, uh, the Prettyman family and, and, and the elders, and we are going to uh, lay, hands, lay hands on them and pray.
Lord, you are, you are so gracious to us, Lord, and we just thank you for the Prettyman family and the influence that they've had on this church. And they are going to surely be missed, Lord. But we just know that you are sovereign and that, um, and that you have a great plan for them ahead in Texas. And we can rejoice in that. And, and we can rejoice here that, uh, like Pastor John was saying, that you have already chosen for us another teaching pastor for us. And um, that we can just follow in faith, Lord, because you are the one that we look to. And... And we just, and we love the Prettyman family, and it's been such a great, a great time through these years, and I know they're going to be, have such an impact and a blessing on, on, on the body over there in Texas, and, uh, and that's just a beautiful picture that we are all the body of Christ, Lord, and that we are here on this earth to glorify you. And we know that one day we will spend eternity with you where we can bask in your glory, Lord, and share it. I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Father, as we gather for this moment, our hearts are just filled with gratitude for um, the way that your spirit moves within a family, moves within a church, and the, the, um, the way that we can fellowship with each other and minister to one another, encourage, comfort, exhort. And Father, we are grateful for um, the five and a half years that the Prettyman family has been here and have just enjoyed them thoroughly and have grown so much. And Lord, thank you for Pastor John's faithfulness to your word and for expanding the depth and knowledge that we have of you through your word, Lord. Thank you that we have increased our knowledge of how the body at large would work together. And it's in faith, Lord, that we send the Prettymans out to continue their ministry and to continue your ministry, Lord, and knowing that um, your spirit that is here with us is also going with them and will be there with them as we continue to serve you in your kingdom. Father, thank you for the many joyous occasions we've had singing and praising your name and discussing um, your attributes, Lord, your greatness and your power and your mercy and your graciousness. We bless you, Lord, and we look forward to more opportunities to be with the Prettymans. Lord, we also know what a blessing they will be to their new church family in Texas and and uh, for the girls down at school, that they will continue to be a light to you, Lord, and steadfast in their faith and their development. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, our hearts are full with joy and gratitude and just overwhelmed with uh, a sense of love and fellowship that can only come through our common fellowship in Christ. Father, we just, we give you thanks for 
the blessings that you give to the church, how you sustain the church. Undoubtedly, six years ago, on the pretty men's first day, we had questions. We wondered. And Father, look how faithful and good and kind you have been over the years. And Father, we just acknowledge that even as Pastor John commends us to faithfulness and to act courageously and to know that we will be put into situations where the essential element is faith and trust in you. Father, we know those days are ahead for the Prettymans. And they are also stepping into a new work. Father, a new work that you have called them to, and we trust you in that. Father, we commend them to you. We are the church that sends them. Just like the men that sent Paul and Barnabas. We send them. We commend them to you. We ask you that you would, you would sustain them. That you would be their all. That you would be their rock. And the Father, even in difficult and, and uncertain days that may lie ahead, Father, that they would more certainly, more surely plant their faith and hope in Christ and in Christ alone. And Father, I just thank you that this is how you build your church. You don't build your church by making us such that we have no need to trust in you. You build your church by putting us in situations where the only solution is to trust and hang on to you dearly. Or Father, you know our hearts. We would wander. We would leave you if we did not need you. You are faithful, we are not. But you are good and you make us faithful, Father God. And you sustain us and we are so grateful for that. And we give you thanks for the man and, and his family that you will bring to minister here. But we, we commit and commend this family to you and give you thanks for them. Pray your blessing upon them as they move forward faithfully, seeking you and serving you and obeying your call. And we thank you for that faithfulness. Father, we pray for the rest of the service that you and our time together in fellowship, that you would bless it, that it would be sweet. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.